God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As you heard, the Holy Gospel we heard today is from Matthew chapter 21, which means it is the last week, the final week of Jesus' life. By the end of the week, he will be arrested, abused, crucified, dead, and laid in the tomb. The week begins, Matthew 21 begins, with Palm Sunday. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a humble donkey, but the crowds pick up palm branches and wave them and welcome him as their king. And rightly so, he is. And after entering Jerusalem, Matthew tells us, Jesus' first stop was the temple, which, again, isn't so unusual. People come to Jerusalem to go to the temple and offer sacrifices all the time. And since this week is the week of preparation for the Passover, that makes sense. And there would have been a lot of people, a lot of people, doing that very same thing. Except Jesus didn't go there to offer sacrifices. Yes, he came to Jerusalem for that, true, but the sacrifice he was going to offer was himself on the altar of the cross. He would be the Passover lamb slain on Good Friday, answering the calls of the people to Hosanna them, save them. He would. In this way. But not this day. This day, entering Jerusalem, Jesus goes to the temple not to sacrifice, but to clean it out. Now, know this. Being the time of the Passover, this was one of the biggest money making times of the year, probably a little like the week before Christmas. People from all over were coming to Jerusalem and going to the temple, and all these people had to exchange their foreign currency for the temple currency so they could buy the sacrifices. Ka-ching! So when Jesus goes into the temple and overturns the tables and dries out those exchanging the money and selling the sacrifices, he's not making friends. Then Jesus spends the rest of the day after that healing the blind and the lame and all who came to him in the temple courts. And then he goes to Bethany to spend the night. It was quite a way to start the week. Then on Monday, he comes back to the city and to the temple. And when he goes to the temple, he is confronted with the words that we heard Today, the chief priests, the church leaders, and the elders of the people, the political leaders, which means all the power players at that time, come up to him. They do not want Temple Destruction, the sequel. So they come up to him and very publicly challenge him. What gives you the right? What gives you the right 
to come in here and create chaos. Well, Jesus answers them in two ways. First, by asking them a question about John the Baptist and then with the parable of the two sons. But they're really both the same. And it boils down to this. When God calls you to repentance... Why do you not repent? For this is the way of righteousness that Jesus speaks of here. The way of righteousness is not first and foremost what you do or your good works or anything you can do. The way of righteousness is repentance. To repent and receive the righteousness of God, which is what the temple was supposed to be all about and what John the Baptist was all about and what Jesus was all about and what Jesus accomplished for us with his death and resurrection later that week. So to create chaos in your life, is the very thing Jesus has come to do. To bring you to repentance. If you're looking for a Jesus to make you feel good about yourself, to pat you on the back and say, keep up the good work, look somewhere else. Find another Jesus. Because the nice, comfortable, sinful life you've settled into It's not good. So Jesus doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to stir up things in your life so that you will not rely on yourself and what you can do, your accomplishments or power, but that you turn to him and rely on him. Because what you do cannot save you. What he does can. Even tax collectors and prostitutes. Those are the two groups Jesus mentioned today who were going into the kingdom of God before. Before the religious and political leaders who were challenging him. The people that everyone thought that if anybody's getting into the kingdom of God, it's them. Not so fast, Jesus says. And did you ever wonder why The tax collectors and prostitutes are always the the two that are pointed out and put together and used all the time in the New Testament. That phrase, money and sex. For what two things cause the most sin and havoc, the most scandal and controversy, and are the two most false gods in the world and in our lives today? Money and sex. And yet Jesus says, those scammers, those Ponzi schemers, those identity thieves, those swindlers, those pornographers and those addicted to pornography, the sexually licentious, those caught up in alternative lifestyles, those who said no to God but heard the preaching of John 
and repented and were baptized, they are going into the kingdom of God. And y'all who said yes to God and think God says yes to you because you're good people and don't need to repent, that's not the way of righteousness. For the way of righteousness is not what you do but what God does for you in Jesus. So that should make us all pause and think. What part or parts of my life need a little chaos? Who am I looking down on? What are my false gods? What do I need to repent of? Do I see the way of righteousness as humility and repentance or self-improvement? Is my nice, comfortable life really just an excuse for sin? Is my looking down on others just a way to excuse and overlook my own sin? Do you see the inconsistency in your own life? Your yes and no and no and yes flip-flopping. Back and forth we go, bouncing around from sin to sin, from sin to God, from God to sin, and maybe, maybe even challenging Jesus along the way. What gives you the right to butt into my life? To call out my sin. Call you to repentance. Well, first we could say he has the right because he created you. You would not be here and you would not have life apart from him. So there's that. But I think there's a better reason. Because he loves you. So he wants to give you life. Life now and life forever. And if it takes a little chaos to do that, then chaos it is. Some things are just more important than live and let live. So when the chief priests and the elders of the people ask Jesus by what authority he does these things, he has the authority of the law of creation. But even more, he has the power of the gospel of love and forgiveness. And so through Old Testament prophets like Ezekiel that we heard today, and through the New Testament prophets like John the Baptist, and through the preaching of the apostles and preachers today, Jesus is calling us to let go of our false gods, which are causing us and leading us into sin, and change our minds, repent, and cling to him Instead, and find our life in Him. That's what the tax collectors and prostitutes did. That's what Jesus wants the chief priests and the elders of the people to do. And somebody wants for you too. That's why, as Paul preached, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those words, by the way, we hear every Palm Sunday. That's why Jesus did everything he did. Why Jesus was not a yes, no, no, yes, flip-flopping son, but a yes, yes, faithful son. That every knee would bow in repentance and receive absolution. That every head would be placed under the forgiving, life-giving water of baptism. That every ear would be opened to hear of the God who would come and do all this for us. And that every mouth would be filled with the body and blood that hung on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That the God who highly exalted Jesus would highly exalt you made righteous by Jesus and who live in Jesus. That you not be like those who saw and heard but did not believe. But that you join the tax collectors and prostitutes. The little children and the sinners. The Gentiles and women. The magi and centurions. Not on the way of righteousness. That's not what Jesus said. But in the way of righteousness. In Jesus. By grace through faith. Who takes you into himself. Into his death and resurrection. And then to everlasting life. A life that you have started. And live. Even now. And such a life. That life in Jesus. In that life. Forgiveness. Becomes. Forgiving. Greed becomes generosity. Pride becomes humility. Power becomes service. Accusation becomes repentance. Apathy becomes hope. Silence becomes confession. Anger becomes patience. Revenge becomes charity. Selfishness becomes selflessness. Impulsiveness becomes prudence. Sinner becomes saint. That's your life now. Not perfectly, of course, maybe far from it. But in the way of righteousness, in Jesus, his righteousness is working that in you. As you hold fast to the word of life. 
The word that gives life, proclaims life, and feeds and strengthens your life. Your life here from font, pulpit, and altar, and your life as you take this life and these gifts out with you into the world to give to others, to others whose lives are in chaos. As you live as the child of God, you are. So with Jesus on that Palm Sunday, going into Jerusalem and then to the temple, it was not business as usual. And it is not in your lives either. Now it is to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. A mind, a life of humility, joy, and love. A life of yes, yes. And if that takes a little chaos now, Thank you, Lord, for loving me enough to do that. To not leave me alone or in my sin. But to bring me to repentance and life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.